It's a big week for Player Profiler. Big, 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 big week. As discussed, Trey McBride is in a prime spot. The Bears' leading receiver in Week 8 faces the Packers and rookie cornerback Kevin King. I think he and Kevin King will match up because it makes sense. Kevin King is long and athletic. Trey McBride is big and athletic, 210, with that 123.797th percentile Spark X score. It makes too much sense for the Bears to create a game plan this week that revolves around targeting, feeding, funneling opportunities, targets to Trey McBride. It makes way too much sense. It must be done. Please make it so. (laughs) They did it in week eight. Do it again. Same goes for Tampa Bay and Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is now going to be on the field in three receiver sets at the very least because Mike Evans is suspended. And we had Chris Godwin as a top five rookie dynasty receiver this offseason because he was dominant at an early age at Penn State. As a true sophomore, age 19, posted a thousand yard season. And then remember, Chris Godwin shocked the world At the combine, no one expected Chris Godwin to be an upper percentile athlete, but he ran a 4-4-2. That's a 109.5, 89th percentile speed score. Burst score, which combines the vertical jump and the broad jump, 124.2, 67th percentile. And then at 209 pounds, runs an 1101 agility score. That's incredible size adjusted agility. That's how you get to a 128.3, 95th percentile Spark X score. And then we saw in preseason, lots of exciting gifs featuring Chris Godwin in practice. We saw Chris Godwin making plays in preseason. He's a better receiver in a vacuum than Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys just happens to be the guy that was there before, and the guy that was there before, the incumbent, always gets the priority in the NFL, unless he's competing with a first-round pick that the front office has an extreme vested interest in. Except in that case. yeah, Chris Godwin, merely a third-round pick. Should have been a second-round pick. Wouldn't have got out of the second round if I were a GM. But his target share, 4.5, 148th in the NFL. Humphreys, 14.266 in the NFL. So we expect Adam Humphreys to receive more targets than Chris Godwin. And we don't know which cornerback will match up with who. Who will see Buster Scrine versus Daryl Roberts? I don't know. We hope that Chris Godwin matches up as much as possible against Buster Scrine. That might be the way that he outproduces Adam Humphreys this week. So if and when Kendall Wright outproduces Trey McBride and Adam Humphreys outproduces Chris Godwin, I will proceed to throw my papers in the air. That's right. <laughs> Just write down the names of two more offensive coordinators who do not use playerprofiler.com, our poor self-scouters who do not know the talent they have available on their rosters. (laughs) Sunday hasn't even arrived, and I'm already infuriated. I'm infuriating myself as I get prepared to be infuriated. That's how that goes. But on the playerprofiler.com weekly rankings, you'll notice... Adam Humphreys slotted in ahead of Chris Godwin. Kendall Wright slotted in ahead of Trey McBride because there is a separation of church and state. This is church. Here we preach. And imagine a world in which NFL teams operated rationally and we pray for best case scenario for the players we like. The rankings are the state. Yes, there is a wall between the two. You have East Germany and West Germany. 
It's a party in West Germany. That's the show, right? East Germany handles the rankings. Cool, cold, clinical rankings. Unemotional, driven by projected opportunity on a week-to-week basis, not overvaluing efficiency or our perception of player talent. They both exist in harmony, and those that visit playerprofiler.com enjoy the rankings very much. Trust them implicitly, as I do with my fantasy teams, while also gaining great insights from the show. And if you enjoy the show, I encourage you to go to patreon.com, patreon.com, search Podfather, and join the community because I continue to get these questions on Twitter. Who should I start? Should I trade player X for player Y? Well, don't ask me. I'm not going to answer you on Twitter. I have better things to do. Who the fuck do you think you are asking me a question on Twitter as if I work for you? I do not work for you. I do not go to Twitter to participate in a question answering service. No, that's why we have Patreon because on Patreon, on the mobile app, you can click on the community section and post questions to the community. Over 500 patrons, including myself, available to respond to questions. That community is tighter. Those individuals have real identities. There are no anonymous trolls on Patreon. That's why I'm happy to engage with members of the audience on Patreon, and I want nothing to do with you on Twitter. They are polar opposite platforms. So I highly suggest getting on Patreon so you can interact with me and all the other minions and buzzards that enjoy the show. It's worth it. You also get a t-shirt, an extra show per week, where I talk about some event in my life or some preparation for the show. And I think most importantly, you get access to these forums. You get access to the collective conscience of the Roto Underworld Radio listener community. And that has incredible value, as does Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt has incredible value right now. Right, right now, right, right now. Across the board, Kareem Hunt is perceived as a top five fantasy running back. When people think of Kareem Hunt, they see stars, heart emojis, they smile. There are no frowny faces thinking about Kareem Hunt, only smiles, only smiles. And yet Kareem Hunt's just a rookie. He's a rookie without the draft capital, which makes him a sell-high candidate. We rarely talk about the sell-high candidates because the move when you have a player performing well is typically ride the performance out. You don't know when the good times will end, when the police will knock on your door and shut the party down. Keep playing that player in winning matchups. That's what you do when you have a hot asset on your team. The move is not to try to call the peak. It's a losing game. Except in the case of Kareem Hunt right now. Because he's heading into a bye week. He's going to score zero points this week. (laughs) Right? Our projections on playerprofiler.com. Shocking contrarian projection for Kareem Hunt this week. Zero points. Oh, but his playoff schedule's really juicy. So juicy, that playoff schedule. Juicy. Juicy. Gross. What? I never look at the upcoming teams on a schedule and think, oh, juicy. Yeah. Yes, I understand. Kareem Hunt has three home games. Weeks 14, 15, 16, three home games against the Chargers and the Raiders and the Dolphins. Two of those teams 
the Raiders and the Chargers have below average run defenses. They do. The Raiders fall three and a half points per game below the mean, while the Chargers allow two and a half fantasy points per game to opposing running backs above the mean. These are friendly defenses for running backs, there's no doubt. But the Dolphins' defense gives up 1.5 points below the mean to opposing running backs. So you're looking at a net gain of less than 5 points per game total spread across those three games. Now, they are home games. And the home road splits are almost negligible for quarterbacks and wide receivers. They're more meaningful for tight ends and especially for running backs. The running back home road split is absolutely a thing. So I believe that Kareem Hunt will perform well in those games. But this is a value conversation as it always is a value conversation. Kareem Hunt, as of this moment, heading into a bye, is overvalued regardless of how difficult or easy his fantasy football playoff schedule is. Oh, the looking ahead at the fantasy football playoff schedule article that inevitably gets published in early November is such a tired premise. Time to make the donuts. Time to publish the looking ahead to the fantasy football playoff schedule in early November. Here we go again. Set your watches. Here we go. I mean, it's such a cliche article premise that never bears fruit. I mean, go back and look at the last five years of articles, which come out every November 5th, like clockwork. Time to make the donuts. And tell me whether or not the players identified as having the juicy schedule in the fantasy playoffs actually outperformed expectations and were ideal trade targets. Unlikely. Why? Because things change between now and then. It's week 10, and you're talking about week 14, 15, and 16? It's over a month away. A lot can change in that amount of time. Offensive linemen get hurt. Quarterbacks get hurt. The player themselves could be hurt. It's like the people that trade for 2021 draft picks in dynasties. Like, we may not even be here by then. What a useless exercise. My least favorite article premise. But you could always count on the fantasy content sites flooding the market with that particular article premise in early November. And with Kareem Hunt, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that his schedule is friendly for the fantasy playoffs because you can't go and acquire him now. Like, talking about Kareem Hunt as a buy is ludicrous. Because fantasy footballers who don't have access to playerprofiler.com unanimously view him as one of the top five backs in fantasy. So you can't acquire him for anything less than an iron price. And you don't want to acquire a player who is currently being throttled by his team at an iron price. As we've discussed, Kareem Hunt's opportunity share is shrinking and he is about to hit the rookie year wall. He's already logged over 150 carries. At the college level, he capped out at 262 carries. And those are college carries against Toledo opponents, not professional carries against NFL defenses. It's very different. I expect Kareem Hunt to hit a rookie year wall. He only played 13 games at Toledo, and he was heavily used in the first half. And you're trading for him because you think he'll exceed expectations? Because he'll outperform his current valuation in weeks 14 through 16? <laughs> okay. 
if you're playing the schedule game, if you trade for anyone, you trade for Sharkandrick West. I'm stashing Sharkandrick West in numerous leagues with the expectation that the team continues to throttle down the Kareem Hunt carries because they also are looking forward to the playoffs. They need Kareem Hunt healthy and fresh in the playoffs. Not the fantasy playoffs. Andy Reid doesn't care about the fantasy playoffs. He cares about the actual NFL playoffs. <laughs> For the fantasy football Super Bowl, championship week, against an above-average Miami Dolphins run defense, do you really think that Kareem Hunt's going to play a full complement of snaps if the Chiefs have locked up a playoff berth in Week 16? Really? You might be in a situation where you're debating whether or not to start Kareem Hunt in your league championship game easy to imagine that scenario unfolding and that's the player you're thinking about trading for right now in exchange for another top five player are you mad why oh the schedule and in week 11 i'll be accepting challenges on no halftime in which my opponent is playing kareem hunt that's the plan go to no halftime or go to your app store, download the app, and when you do use the promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 10% discount on your first deposit of $50 or more. And no halftime is ideal for the fantasy gamer whose teams are now out of contention. No problem. Just set up single-player props on no halftime. I can't believe it's legal. But if you are in contention, which I expect you are if you listen to this show, I have some attractive wide receiver plays this week. Firstly, Devontae Parker. He is Miami's true number one wide receiver based on literally every efficiency metric ever conceived. And this week he draws James Bradbury, who is a juicy cornerback for opposing wide receivers to match up against. He's already allowed 70 targets this season, including 11 to Julio Jones last week. And Carolina's a great defense, but James Bradbury, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yes. I believe that Jay Cutler will be looking to the outside, targeting Parker and Stills more than Landry this week, based on how Carolina's secondary is structured. Same with New York. I think they will be directing targets out to Robbie Anderson. I mean, he is the Jets' primary receiver, not Jermaine Curse. He's logged an 80% snap share with at least 20 routes run in every game this season. In the last four weeks, seven targets per game, 65 yards per game, and three straight weeks with a touchdown. And this week he draws Vernon Hargreaves? I mean, if you're streaming Josh McCown, which a lot of people are, better be playing a Robbie Anderson. Hargreaves has a 110 passer rating against. Check the cornerback pages on playerprofiler.com. So I think McCown will have radar lock on Robbie Anderson this week. I'm also excited for Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, I thought that Juju would be a stay away this week, but then the improbable happened. The Colts released Vontae Davis, and this was a boon for Juju Smith-Schuster because before Davis was released, he would have matched up with Rashad Melvin, who is the best NFL cornerback no one's heard of. Melvin is number one in the NFL right now in pass breakups, but now Melvin will slide over and draw the impossible task the shortest straw in the NFL, trying to cover Antonio Brown, which will free up Juju Smith-Schuster against Pierre Desir. The problem is, Pierre Desir's been great. And how do I know about Pierre Desir? Because if you go to our depth chart section, click the menu bar, hit depth charts, scroll down on the Colts, and you can see, oh, there's Pierre Desir. He's the number two option now in Indianapolis. Why do you think they so easily released 
Vontae Davis because they knew they had Pierre Desir waiting in the wings. He has a plus 40 coverage rating on playerprofiler.com. His catch rate allowed is only 41.4%. So I'm excited to see how he fares against a legitimate number two wide receiver in the NFL in Juju Smith-Schuster. But it's still Pierre Desir, 27-year-old journeyman cornerback from Lindenwood College. So I will be confidently playing Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> clearly, but not T.Y. Hilton, because I think T.Y. Hilton will match up against Artie Burns, and Artie Burns never gets burned. I know, because we have a burn rate metric on playerprofiler.com, and Hilton is the most volatile receiver in the playerprofiler.com database, and it's not even close. I mean, look at the game log on T.Y. Hilton. It's incredible. He has six games under 10 fantasy points. And three games over 24 fantasy points. He has no games with fantasy points in the teens. And I think this week, facing the Steelers, who have a top five pass defense, this is going to be another week where T.Y. Hilton is closer to single digits than he is 25 plus fantasy points. So if I'm setting up a team on the draft app, and if you don't have the draft app by now... Wake up. Go to your app store, search draft, download the draft app, or go to playdraft.com. And when you sign up, use the promo code UNDERWORLD and you get free entry into your first contest with a deposit of $10 or more. It's one-week fantasy via Snake Draft. Get Devontae Parker, get Juju Smith-Schuster, get Robbie Anderson, or, or if you want to wait even longer on wide receiver, Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu is a hell of a player. He has some of the best hands in the league, and he's taking pressure off Julio Jones. I mean, Julio Jones has been waiting for a Mohamed Sanu to step up for years, and it's happening. And this week, Sanu faces player profiler favorite Anthony Brown. We love Anthony Brown for all the wrong reasons. Negative coverage rating, passer rating allowed well over 100. Starting Sanu just feels so right this week. Get him in lineups. And we should ask a guest who he likes. It's Kevin Cole from Rotoviz and PredictiveFootball.com. Let's ask him for a sneaky start this week as well. So let's go talk to him. Follow him at Kev Cole on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program, a show favorite. Yes, he's back. Unfortunately for me, Kevin Cole. Talk to me. How's it going, Matt? Uh, good to be back. Uh, we we're just discussing all these questions you sent me. So I've prepared nothing, um, but I will give the takes. The takes cometh soon. Well, off we go. Big news from the American judicial system. Ezekiel Elliott is now really suspended. I mean, he's suspended, suspended this time. Like, it's for real, for real. Suspended, suspended. The appeal has been denied, but there's going to be another hearing. But that's not going to happen for a month. But he's definitely suspended for the next couple weeks, at least. And you can tell because Twitter is, again, just waving the flags of your favorite mediocre Dallas running back, whether you're an Alfred Morris enthusiast or you are a Darren McFadden advocate, and there's the the sad table of Rod Smith fans in the corner with uh, some empty solo cups. 
but they're still around. They're still holding out hope that he could be relevant. I tried to pump up Rod Smith a few, at least was it two years ago before his Elliot was around? Didn't didn't work out. But then I also pumped up um, uh, what was his name on the on the Saints who actually killed down the stretch? Tim Hightower. Tim Hightower. So you know, like you throw a few darts and one of them hits, right? Right. Well, will any of these darts hit? Probably not. But right. I mean, right. I, I mean, McFadden's not good, right? So he's just not good. Uh, Morris could be good, but the first time they throw in the ball and it just, you know, club the club hands will come yeah. into play. Um, but I mean, it's a high powered offense, so he could he could he could fall into the end zone a couple of times. I mean, I, I think Morris is is probably your best bet, but it's not. I wouldn't get too excited about anybody. Alfred Morris is no different than Legarrette Blunt. Legarrette Blunt yeah. is between the tackles grinder on a prolific offense with a good offensive line. That's Alfred Morris in Dallas. There's no difference, except in Philadelphia, I would rather have the running back with pass-catching ability, and that's, in this case, Jay Ajayi. In Dallas, it's Darren McFadden. If you're talking about a 29-year-old Alfred Morris or a washed Darren McFadden, what the fuck is the difference? These are all sub-replacement level athletes. The question I have is, Dallas has known this. How do they not have a better running back on this depth chart behind Ezekiel Elliott? That is an indictment of Dallas's player personnel management that all they have is the corpse of Darren McFadden, the corpse of Alfred Morris, and this guy, Rod Smith, that has the lowest college dominator in the player profiler database. I understand he's been stuck behind some very good running backs in his career at Ohio State, but he's also a sub-athlete without pass-catching ability. So this is not a well that you can draw from for fantasy points down the stretch. If you're holding on to these players and you feel like you won the lottery, you didn't. It's not a lottery. You won a scratch ticket. And the scratch ticket's like you won two more tickets. Like it's one of those lame scratch ticket victories. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, McFadden is one of these typical guys that coaches love where just because you know he's probably not going to fumble, he's been around for a long time. But, I mean, the, his career, ever since some some breakout years he had in Oakland, uh, past then and even before then, his, his, his running strategy seems to be to go run as quickly as possible into the nearest defensive lineman and then fall down. So it's just... Uh, it, it's he 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 hasn't really been getting it done. Definitely, he's not going to be anywhere close to Zeke as far as his production is concerned. It's um, we're going to see now. We are going to see the true value of a running back manifest in Dallas. So that will be the only thing interesting is seeing what that fall off looks like, what the precipice looks like from Ezekiel Elliott to whoever is carrying the football. I, I do not care. I just do not care. What about what about uh, Dak unleashed? Is Dak going to be unleashed? This is what is most important to me. I'm not thinking about the running game. I'm only thinking about Dak Prescott, Des Bryant, Jason Witten, Cole Beasley, Terrence Williams. All of these players are elevated because there will be less carries distributed to the running back position and more pass attempts and quarterback rushes. That's what we want in fantasy football. The efficient plays the higher fantasy point scoring plays, there is absolutely going to be an unlocking in Dallas for someone who's already scoring over 21 fantasy points per game in Dak Prescott. <laughs> is exciting. That's exciting. You're right. 
I mean, they were playing against some some pretty high-powered offenses, the Falcons, the Eagles twice. I guess the Raiders once upon a time were a high-powered offense. Uh, the Redskins, you know, there's going to be a lot of points scored here. So hopefully, hopefully if you could just slightly skew, let's say, your first and ten play calling, uh, maybe second and long play calling, and just ignore the run in those in those situations and get a little bit more to Dak. I mean, the guy's efficiency has always been it's always been really sky high. Uh, so get him good. some more of those good looks. Uh, I, it could be. It, I mean, he and he has the offensive line too. So it's not a Russell Wilson situation where you don't really know what's going to happen with the offensive line. He has the offensive line, so uh, the unleashing could be could quite could, could be quite something down the stretch. The number one quarterback on the Player Profiler Dynasty Rankings, PlayerProfiler.com forward slash Player Dash Rankings, is absolutely Dak Prescott, and I would challenge anyone to make a case for anyone else. And by the way, in case you're wondering, yes, the number two quarterback on that list is absolutely Russell Wilson. We will talk about Russell Wilson later because I have something to say about Russell Wilson to Mr. Kevin Cole, but we talked earlier about Philadelphia. Is it wheels up time for Jay Ajayi in the second half? Are they going to turn the offense over to him in the running game and make him the focal point? Uh, I think that's questionable at best. I mean, they they have some guys who who are getting it done. I mean, I know that Ajayi had that big run last week, but it's exciting. I mean, literally eighty percent of the running backs in the NFL probably could have taken that at least to get within the ten yard line. Maybe not all the way into the end zone. It was so well blocked. He had zero targets, so that's not good. But maybe that's a situation where you got to get going. I mean, they they totally destroyed the Broncos, so so there wasn't really a need to for for any dump offs there. So I, I, I think he, they're in a good situation. I mean, they should probably use him up. I don't even know how many more usable years he has left. Uh, you know, he's already was resting on Thursdays because of his knee and everything else. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely where you want to place your bet because he has that workhorse profile. Right. Uh, but I'm still far from from being certain. I mean, what will end up what will end up happening here? I mean, Corey Clement had 12 carries. Oh, geez. Can you cheer up, please? Can you stop talking about Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi's knees? I'm not sure how many usable seasons he has left. I'm not joking. He was just rescued from the Miami Dolphins' abyss. Can you not get excited about this at all? Do you have to list every negative attribute? That's my role. That's my role in this, oh my in this, in this relationship is to, <laughs> I mean, to play it out. To point out everything. What a bummer, man. Well, let's let's see. This week, the first sign you'll have is that are they not going to activate all of these guys? They had four running backs active Good last point. week. Good and point. four of them got carry. So it wasn't like just a small special teams guy. So hopefully they just won't activate uh, maybe Smallwood or somebody like that. And then... Yes, Smallwood needs to stay on the inactives list, please. Jay Ajayi, up to speed on the playbook. The problem is... It doesn't matter what's in the playbook because the word out of Miami, it's been reported that Adam Gaze was unhappy with Jay Ajayi's inability to follow the play as it was blocked. And this reputation has followed Jay Ajayi from Boise State. Remember, that was in the Jay Ajayi Boise State scouting report that he liked to improvise, that he liked to bounce runs outside. And you often saw Jay Ajayi get tackled by the sidelines at Boise State. This was a perpetual frustration of Boise State coaches, his inability to simply turn it upfield and go where the play is blocked. 
I don't know why this is something that has haunted him, but maybe this is the wake-up call he needed. He got traded. So maybe now he's thinking, okay, this is a winning team. This is a team that is going to get a buy in the playoffs. They're thinking Super Bowl in Philadelphia. I just need to be a key cog in this machine. If he can become a key cog in the machine, because he's better than LeGarrette Blunt at everything. Breaking tackles. Jay Ajayi, better, more elusive, and a better tackle breaker. Better in the passing game. He's better in all phases. It's rational to feed Jay Ajayi, like you said, until he breaks down. One of the problems, though, is he can't practice on Thursdays because of his knees. And if he can't practice, he can't even know what the play call is. He needs to at least know if it's a run or a pass. So I think that he will never get where we want him to be in terms of an opportunity share. But he's going to be so damn efficient. You have to get excited about that. He's definitely a flex option every week now in that offense with his skill set. You agree? Yeah, no, I mean, he can catch the ball. So that's that's all that really matters. Now, you mentioned the the story around not following blocks, all those things. I mean, the, the numbers do give some support to that. I mean, uh, the numbers are weird. I agree with you. And I think I know where you're going on this. 2016, you know, he had a very productive season, but yet in his success rate, he was 32nd in the league, even though he was, a, you know, a top 10 running back as far as his overall production. So he was he was banging out a lot of long runs. So perhaps his tendency to not follow blocks can also lead to those long runs, but then can, you know, lead to a lot of unsuccessful runs. So that that does match up somewhat with with the narrative on, on how he's uh, whether he's following blocks or not. A lot of empty, evaded tackles as well. There's a conundrum for me, a puzzle. Looking at the Jay Ajayi stat line, seeing eight evaded tackles for 38 yards. How is that even possible? <laughs> now we know. Yeah, I mean, that was like the Trent Richardson problem. I'm not, not complaining, not saying he's Trent Richardson, but it was one of these things where if you focus and you focus and you focus on, on uh, you know, missed tackles, broken tackles, well, you got to get some yards after you do that. You know, <laughs> if you're shaking off five guys, but then you never get downfield, it doesn't really matter that much. And there was a wide running lane just a yard to your left. Yeah. Hit that hole, buddy. Hit that hole. Well, he had an unmissable, an unmissable <laughs> hole kind of pathway. Uh, yeah, it was, it was like a lit up runway all the way to the end zone last week. So hopefully that can continue for him. Speaking of fail, this was brought to my attention from members of the audience. I hadn't even remembered this. This was lost in the sands of time until it was brought back to my attention by keen members of this audience. Kevin Cole, last time you were on, I floated the possibility that Alvin Kamara would outscore Christian McCaffrey this season. And you laughed in my face. And now, 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 now we're into week 10, and Alvin Kamara has two PPR fantasy points per game more than Christian McCaffrey, despite a lesser opportunity share. Take that! Did I laugh in your... I mean, I, I think I was... I may have been laughing in, the, in your face about the touchdown Adrian Peterson thing, but well, not laughing, but I was definitely not participating. Just admit it, though. The thought has fired... <laughs> Well, it never was. It wasn't happening. It never. It didn't happen for most of the season. In recent weeks, you have muttered under your breath, "Touchdown, Adrian Peterson." No, no, I, I, I admit. I was it. thinking about it. I was only thinking the first few weeks about how correct I was in, in assuming that was not going to happen, and <laughs> and how much. And now I, now I realize that you were gonna gonna try to like weasel this claim into the fact that now that he's performing, even after he's been traded to another team, but. <laughs> you- you saw this coming. Yes, you foresaw. 
I saw it coming. I mean, it's kind of, it's almost like also on the Kamara thing. I mean, it's you're kind of getting like the double benefit. The two guys you were claiming are now both broken out because of a trade, which, you know, I doubt that was part of your master plan. <laughs> oh, no, I saw it all coming. Kevin. <laughs> yes, I saw, I saw it all coming. But so what do you make of Alvin Kamara this year? I mean, this is exciting, right? You are, you're excited. Yeah, I mean, he's in the great situation now. It's kind of it's interesting that Breeze has even been more dependent upon the running backs and, and yards after catch this season than he normally is, and he's normally a guy who depends on it a lot. I don't know if that says anything about arm strength or the— No, it's amazing how you can downgrade from Jimmy Graham to Kobe Fleener and downgrade from Brandon Cooks to Ted Ginn, and then your quarterback— who's a rational decision maker to the point that he's like a machine, a robot, is identifying the running back as the optimal pass target. It's amazing how that happens when you deprive your quarterback of weaponry. Well, if you have Drew Brees, I guess. I mean, he he, he knows how to throw it to, to anyone, so he's not locking in on anybody. So, it, I mean, it's a great it's a great spot for, for Kamara, obviously. Kamara. Uh, Is it Kamara? Kamara? I always say Kamara instead of Kamara. I don't know. I think it's Kamara. It's interesting on playerprofiler.com, Russell Wilson is best comparable to Drew Brees. I can see that. And that's interesting. A lot of people think, oh, he must be comparable to some mobile quarterback. Well, he doesn't he doesn't throw it to the backs much, though, because he can run. But he doesn't he doesn't lock in on any particular receiver. He's kind of like Drew Brees with more rushing, less running backs and then just lower overall yardage totals. Well, that's right. But they're both like computers in the backfield, just making the rational decision, both aggressive, but also somehow careful with the football at the same time, only with a computer system, only with like this pre-programmed computer system running the progressions. Could you do that? But they're also similar height, similar hand size, college resumes. That's why they're best comparable to one another. Now, it seems a year and a half after we had the conversation about Russell Wilson being unlocked, having the potential to be the best fantasy quarterback of all time, that that is now a possibility, that you can see that over the next three years, that he could put together, he could go on a run like we've never seen a fantasy quarterback go on. I mean, I'm interested to see how big of an impact Dwayne Brown has at the left tackle. I mean, the yes. problem with the problem with his performances so far this year, it's been a bit lumpy. You know, you've had a couple of 40-point games almost and then a couple in the 30 range, but then also you've had you've had some duds. I mean, that's true of, of you know, a lot of quarterbacks clearly, but I think for him it's been even even lumpier than others. So hopefully that can kind of smooth out a bit, but they can't run the ball at all. So hopefully you're just you will will just take out some of those some of those poorer performances, but you know he's going to face some good defenses like he's uh, like, like the Cardinals and others down down the stretch. So we'll see. But clearly, he's getting the volume you want. If he could just get the protection that you want, um, there's there's no there's no limiting his upside. Well, Washington has a good defensive line, so that was hugely encouraging to me that he's able to post 25 fantasy points against one of the league's better defensive lines. That was very encouraging. It's almost like now, given what he did against Washington, he's established a 25-point floor with a 35-point ceiling, which is exactly what I said a year and a half ago verbatim. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't throw the ball well, so that's great when you can get a guy who's not throwing the ball well. Because he rushed for 77 yards. That's the beauty of Russell Wilson. That's why I think he could be the best of all time. I mean, how many how many times in the past are you going to get 45 attempts out of Russell Wilson in some prior years? So, I mean, they can run the ball, 45 attempts. 
that means you can get your 300 yards passing and a couple of touchdowns, even if you're not throwing the ball that well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sky is the limit for him. It's the game. It's the game we talked about where he gets the 45 attempts and then he also adds the rushing yards to lock in that floor. And then you see a game where he had 49 attempts in week three. Well, there you saw the ceiling against Tennessee, 33.5 points. It's okay. It's okay. You can just say, hey, Matt, you're right. Russell Wilson is this good. This is that that bracket of fantasy points that you identified was dead on. Hey, I great job. Hey, you can well, say that. It's okay. You can say yeah, that. Yeah, it feels good. Plays. It feels good to say it. It feels good to say yes. You can claim Adrian Peterson after trade. You can claim Russell Wilson uh, eighteen months after a prediction. <laughs> These are things that happen. I I can't control what happens. I can project, and then I just happen to be right time and time and time again. And what I'm telling you is it feels good. It feels good to praise someone else. It makes them feel good, and by them feeling good, it makes you feel good. It's a virtuous feedback loop, Kevin. You should try it. You should try Uh, it. Not not really my thing. I will say, though— uh, your boy Doug Baldwin, who you tried to get me to convert over to a, to a Baldwin fan, and he I mean, he's playing well this year, but kind of in a in a depressed wide receiver market. So he he's doing okay. I guess you you would have liked to have seen a little bit more though with all the stuff that Wilson's doing. Doug Baldwin is better because he's doing this in 2017. Had he done this in 2014, it would not be nearly as special, which speaks to a larger problem which is the wide receiver cohort across the board is down, especially that wide receiver one tier. What's going on? Yeah, that is that is an interesting question. I mean, it's not necessarily a, a league-wide passing problem, but it just seems like the more and more you know teams are transitioning to these shorter pass routes, um, some of these kind of college, re, uh, you know, RPO concepts, other things like that, where it just, it, I guess they're just RPO concept. What's that mean? Uh, run pass option. Right. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're just doing a lot of stuff where you're not really having your dominant um, wide receiver one just get open over and over again and just throw the throw out of them. You're really, you're really, you're, 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 you're taking, you're giving a lot to the, to the quarterback to say you could decide based upon the look who to throw it to as opposed to just get it to our to our stud receiver so when you have a few of the top guys like julio jones probably the best example you know just not just not putting it up this year just not getting that dominant dominant performances that you've seen in the past it's it's just gonna it, it kind of hurts everyone and that's you know, I thought maybe we get a bounce back from what we saw last year because this was happening last year. But I think it, it it might be even worse this year, and especially when DeAndre Hopkins probably inevitably falls a little bit. You know, at, at least a little bit with Tom Savage in there. 2016 was the canary in the coal mine for the wide receiver position, and I think that a lot more quarterbacks are wired the way Marcus Mariota is that come from that run pass option offense in college and. It translates into the NFL how they operate. They have to see throws before they make them rather than forcing the ball to their number one option. And now with teams calling more three and four wide receiver set plays, there are more wide receivers in the progression. There are more routes being run, more options for the quarterback to spread the ball around, and that depresses the highest end wide receiver production. It's a confluence of factors. And wide receiver production is way down. When Will Fuller's your number three 
fantasy wide receiver, you have a problem, big problem. Yeah, it's it's you know turned it's turned a lot of the PPR leagues in particular where you would have been hammering a zero running back type of strategy. It's made it uh, it's made it pretty rough this year. John Siegel came on the summer and he told us he wasn't going zero RB this year. <laughs> he was drafting running backs in some of those early rounds. We were shocked, but turns out. Eh, the smoothing out of the wide receiver tiers is making zero RB more and more difficult to execute successfully. You also have the highest end running backs carrying teams to victories week in, week out. Those teams that have Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, they are crushing their opponents on a weekly basis. And you can't make up the difference by picking up either Damian Williams or Kenyon Drake. If you had to pick between those two, who would you pick rest of season? Mm, I that is a tough one. Um, I mean, the thing about Willie, I mean, the thing about Drake that you know maybe you might get a little excited about him is the fact that he was at least drafted by the guys who are currently, you know, Adam Gase and the guys who are currently calling the plays now. He had nine carries last week, which, you know, isn't fantastic, but um, at least it's something. I mean, I think I'm more of a Williams fan, but you just never know. You just never know with these with these guys what the coaches are going are gonna to end up doing. So I think I might lean Drake right now just because not only did he have the nine carries, but he had six targets in the passing game, and he's the guy they drafted in the third round last year, and just hope that, you know, that ends up being the thing. He won't hold up, though. He won't hold up. He's 6'1", 210. Do you know what that means? There are no running backs in the league that are 6'1", 210. That is a wide receiver body type. That's a 27.7 BMI. That's 7th percentile. There's no way that running back holds up at the NFL level. Couldn't even hold up at the college level. Was hurt constantly at Alabama. See the 12.9% college dominator rating. I know he was behind Derrick Henry, but he played four years at Alabama with Three other running backs slotted in ahead of him on the depth chart at any given time. He's not a primary back. He's not built to be a primary back. He's built to be a satellite back at the NFL level. He's built to be a third down guy and a third down guy only. Damian Williams is built to be a primary running back, but I don't run the Dolphins. So we're going to have to wait for Kenyon Drake to get hurt or fumble again. I mean, one of those two things has to happen. And then Damian Williams could become a true primary back getting a 60% opportunity share. And he's a great receiver. What's interesting is even though Kenyon Drake looks the part of a proper NFL satellite back, you know, a Chris Thompson type, runs a 4-4-5 with a slight build, it's actually Damian Williams who's the better receiver. So I lean toward the player who's 220 pounds and is also the better receiver in that particular case. But I'm not excited about either one of them because like Dallas, they're not special talents. But in Miami, it's even worse than Dallas because they can't run block and they can't score. So no, I'm not interested in that backfield either. We talked earlier about Drew Brees. Do you think something's wrong with him? No. Because his production is also way down he's like a wide receiver one he's way down yeah do you remember what drew Brees is usually giving you you're expecting 22 plus fantasy points per game from drew Brees. now you're getting 18 points per game that's a four points per game drop that's enormous if a quarterback went from 18 to 14 like matt ryan everyone would be talking about it but no one's talking about the decline of drew Brees for some reason 
Well, it's because they're they're winning games. I mean, I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that the the defense isn't as as awful as they as they have been in the past. I mean, they've they got what six straight victories here, where they had one game where they gave up a, they gave up a decent amount of points, thirty eight. But other than that, thirteen zero seventeen twelve ten. I mean, it's been it's been a while since Drew Brees didn't just have to throw, have to continue to throw and throw and throw just to give him a chance. Right. There's nothing wrong with him. You hit it. Exactly. Adjusted yards per attempt, top five. True completion percentage, which factors in drops on playerprofiler.com, number one in the league. Number one in deep ball completion percentage. Nothing is wrong with Drew Brees. He's Drew Brees. He's not just fine. He's excellent. He's sublime. He's the peak of the position. The problem is the New Orleans defense is betraying him. The New Orleans defense is ratcheting up the game script. So you have hugely positive game script. The reason why Drew Brees is posting 22 fantasy points per game in previous seasons is because he had no defense. So if you have a great defense, and it's revealed every week that the New Orleans defense is not what we thought it was. It's one of the better defenses in the league. And if you're going to be holding opponents to 10 points a game, the quarterback, by necessity, will not be scoring well over 20 fantasy points per game. That's just not how it works. So you're exactly right. The problem with Drew Brees is the New Orleans defense and the fact that the front office continues to give away weapons without getting them in return. Give me a break. I still can't believe they traded Brandon Cooks at the end of Drew Brees' career. What a bunch of assholes in that front office. Well, I mean, they got they got a first-round pick out of it, I guess. Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess. All right? That was a betrayal. I mean, just to give a little bit more context here, Brees through eight games, 276 pass attempts. So that's basically exactly on a, on a 550 pace. Um, last year, 673 pass attempts. So he's 120 pass attempts off of last year's pace. The volume is not there. You need to be satisfied with 18 points a game moving forward. Sorry, not sorry. This is just football, right? Or, or, or this defense could go back to being terrible again. You never know. I like this game. What's wrong with Player X? Let's play this game. What's wrong with Player X? I did that so I could modulate my voice. It'll sound cool. <laughs> Do you hear? I did kind of a more, like a deeper. What's wrong with Cam Newton? I'm going to do it every time, like do a little extra gravity to my voice. Cam Newton. I mean, this whole, I was pretty skeptical about this whole new. Because you're a big Cam Newton enthusiast. Remember, he was the one guy that you said was your exception to the late round quarterback rule. Yeah, because he had a history of giving you, you know, he quarterback one was in his range of outcomes. Yeah. Uh, this year... I mean, you know, he's he's throwing a decent amount of balls, but they're, they're not throwing it down the field like they used to. Uh, clearly, he's not getting the touchdown production that he used to get. And, you know, they're start, you know, he, he's getting some. We've seen the last couple of weeks in particular. He's finally getting some points on on the ground. Yeah, 81 yards and a touchdown last week. That was great. That was vintage cam. But we need more of that. Yes. Yeah, 137 passing yards. That's not it. Yeah, that's not it. But, I mean, he really needs to pick it up with, with the rushing attempts. I mean, we, we saw zero in a game, three in a game this mm. as far as points. Zero, three points, 
So he's got 86, 44, 50, 71 the last few weeks. So, I mean, I, I'm confident that he can he can get things going. I just feel like in the passing game, I don't know, it's just not working. Maybe it's a Greg Olson problem. I, I, I'm not sure. He's thrown 11 interceptable passes. That's top five in the league. And he has a 10 to 11 TD to interception ratio. He misses Greg Olson desperately. When he went down, we did not understand how much Cam Newton needed him. But now we see it. Now we see the Greg Olson splits and they're shocking. He's back soon. And I think that Cam Newton will pick it up soon. What's wrong with Joe Mixon? Um, see how I did that again? The, the team is not, the team kind of stinks. The offensive line stinks. And... You know, he's not trans, he's not going to transcend that just like most running backs aren't. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And he, I mean, clearly he's not even getting the volume. But then again, if you're losing week in, week out and your offensive line can't block, it's, you know, uh, I, I think it's still a little wait and see before we can say whether whether Joe Mixon is actually bad or whether it's just a really bad situation. Thank you. I agree. He is making some splash plays, though. The one thing that you can do that's in your power is you can break a bunch of tackles, you can get loose for a long run, and that's what Joe Mixon is doing. I mean, he's doing the best he can. He's giving you some splash plays. He's trying. He's using his athleticism, his size-adjusted athleticism, to make plays and score some fantasy points, and we just need to be happy that he has that ability because he's in a purgatory in Cincinnati. What's wrong with C.J. Anderson? Yeah, I mean, that's another one where I'm never a huge, you know, I was never a big C.J. Anderson fan. Just to, He's not just, good. <laughs> no, you can I just say it. He's not him. good. He wasn't good at Cal when him. he was relegated by E.C. Safili, and he has never been good other than an eight-game stretch. In 2014, he was the best running back in fantasy, better than even Le'Veon Bell during that stretch. And since then, he's been well below average because that's what he is. We saw a random sample of eight games in which he flashed, and the vividness bias has resonated for the last three years as the C.J. Anderson zealots continue to draft him as if he's an RB1 in fantasy, and he is not, and they're being reminded of it once again this season. I mean, they, they, they've they had some, some issues at quarterback, to say the least, since... <laughs> yes! Since Peyton Manning yes. died, pre, you know, and then still was still, you know, as a, a zombie for one year. And then after that, I mean, who knows? What are we? But we're the pack. Yes, it was the Peyton Manning walking dead season. I love that. The Lynch era is going to start is going to start pretty soon. And that that has disaster oh. written all over it also. <laughs> yeah. So he's a bad back in a bad situation. And that's why he's bad. Yeah, not 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 a good not a good situation. But I don't hate him as much as you do. You know, maybe I really don't like him. <laughs> I don't like him. And I heard the coaches prefer Devonte Booker from a trusted source, Benjamin Albright. <clears throat> What's wrong with Amari Cooper? Well, I feel like you you know this is like a, a segment that could have been we could have gone over every three weeks for his entire career. Well, I've been asking everybody got... this. I've been asking everybody this the last three weeks. What the hell's wrong with Amari Cooper? I want your take because I respect your opinion. Well, I mean, Derek Carr is not that good, number one. Um, Start there. I love it. I mean, and Jared Cook leads the team in receiving yards. So, you know, the, the tight end position has been a wasteland uh, in Oakland over the last few years where you had Rivera. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. 
So, wow. um, so you, you know, you have 500 yards going to him. I mean, think about Crabtree is not exactly lighting things up either. No. Um, you know, he's, he, he's been way more productive on, le- on fewer targets, though. I'll, I'll give you – I mean, I'll give the Crabtree guys that. I've never been a Crabtree over Cooper guy. He's always been efficient. He has. He just hasn't always got the volume, particularly in San Francisco. But when he gets targeted, I mean, he catches the football. I mean, remember Texas Tech? <laughs> he's good. I just don't understand how Cooper just goes nuclear and then and then disappears like that. I so either. I mean, talk about conservative play calling, uh, short passes. You know, not taking any risks. That's just you know that's on that's on Derek Carr's business card. Quarterback, Oakland Raiders. You know, <laughs> I'm not taking any risks. He's he's he gets the ball out of his hand so quickly, even on plays where he's not being pressured. That you figure Cooper's the guy who's going to be stretching down the field, and it's just the they're just, they're just not throwing it. Minus that Kansas City game where he you know he was he was destroying, and he could have had even a bigger game other than a, a couple of passes went between his hands. Right. They created a game plan to take advantage of Kansas City's weakness, the number two and number three cornerbacks. And it worked great. It worked great. It was fine. But in general, Derek Carr is overrated. He was an MVP candidate last year, and he was one of the favorites to win the MVP this year. That's hilarious. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of Carr versus, you know, whomever who, who was a lot better, like a Dak Prescott or someone like that. And it's like, why, why would you prefer a guy who hasn't had a season as good as Dak Prescott's rookie season, right? Oh, no, there were polls everywhere. NFL.com, which young quarterback would you prefer to start a franchise with? And they listed Carson Wentz, they listed Dak Prescott, they listed Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and of course, Derek Carr destroyed in those polls. Even when they added Andrew Luck, he destroyed. He was 50% or above, and the rest of the quarterbacks were fighting for 10 percentile points. It was a farce. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I mean, I, I can't really talk about Wentz too much because I was kind of very anti-Wentz also. But I think the thing with Carr is, you know, he's never really shown that great of a, of a ceiling as a passer anyway. I mean, at least Wentz is now showing you that he even, I mean, he's showing that he has that ceiling and he only had that one poor, you know, first year. God, Carr is just... I mean, I, I think I think he can. I think he's a, he's a good quarterback if you have some surrounding pieces, which he has a lot of on offense. But if he has a good defense, he's the type of guy who's not going to make that many mistakes and keep you in a ball game. The problem is when his defense is like it is this year, which is one of the worst in football. Uh, it's not going to get it done. We're seeing Derek Carr with Amari Cooper, with Michael Crabtree, with Jared Cook, with Jalen Rashard, one of the best pass catching backs in the league. Imagine him with poor weaponry. Imagine him with Ted Ginn and Brandon Coleman out there. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and he's got a great offensive line, too. I mean, Derek Carr is absolutely one of the most overrated players in the league. And I think last year he was the most overrated player in the league. And now there's a mutiny in Oakland. The offensive line has turned on him. You know about the rumors that the offensive line allowed defenders free runs at Derek Carr because he insisted they stand for the national anthem and Oakland has an all-black offensive line. I mean, I saw that. I mean, you know that's ridiculous, right? I mean, Is it? It, I mean, if you is first it? of all, you see this, you see the source. Although I'm kind of scared of the source. Although Miko Grimes is the source. Yeah, don't, don't, don't add her. No, 
I love Miko Grimes. She speaks the truth, man. She, you should, she, she should probably be co-hosting this podcast. Um, she spoke the truth about Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> yeah. She said that the players do not respect Ryan Tannehill, that he's no good, that they think he's grossly overrated by the coaches, the media, everyone, and she was proven right. If you go to the tape, you can see the play in which Derek Carr was hit, and you can't identify any nefarious activity by the offensive lineman. I doubt there was any, but there still could be great animosity in that locker room. I don't doubt that. You know, it's, I mean, when you're when you're failing, that's what happens. You know, like there's this whole uh, winning culture. You know, what breeds culture? Like winning culture, winning mm. that helps. Yes, and there's not a lot of dissension when you're winning. And th- yes, a lot of confusion of cause and effect with the whole winning culture concept, right? When you're when you're 12 and four one season, even though your team wasn't very good and your expectations are too high, and then you start performing like you should be performing, uh, you know, then the culture all of a sudden starts to shift a little bit. You get a little shift in culture, and I think that's what's happening. I also think that Derek Carr started to read his own headlines. This is what happens when a player gets a little bit too far out over his skis because he's reading his own headlines, he's looking at his new contract and his bank account. The next thing you know, he's telling all of his teammates how they need to behave, and these are grown adults that weigh 330 pounds, and they're not hearing it. I mean, just to be clear, I don't, I don't buy the offensive line. <laughs> It's a great get, story, though. Letting him get killed. I mean, it's a good. It gets you some clicks. I mean, for Miko, I don't know what she's doing. I love what she's doing. Is drawing attention to something that is fascinating. True or not? It's sports. Who fucking cares? It's a game. <laughs> now, what's wrong with Eric Decker? I really went too deep there. You saw I went too deep. I actually hurt my throat there. I went too deep. Uh, you know, when you first put it on here, I forgot that he was still playing, actually. <laughs> uh, but not even joking. Well, I, like, we've I, talked about him multiple times. We both love Eric Decker. It's depressing. I love Decker. It's just, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know if it's a system issue or if it's a Mariota issue or if it's one of these things like we talked about. There's just certain quarterbacks who, you know, th- th- they're productive. They're good quarterbacks. But for some reason, they're just not going to they're not going to enhance the talent of a wide receiver. You're not going to get that kind of relationship where they both jump onto the next level. And it just seems to have happened with, with Decker here. I mean, I, I'm, you could say maybe, you know, he's reached that age point where he just fell off, but he looked pretty, he looked okay. Yeah. He looks fine. When you watch him, this makes me a bit worried for Corey Davis. Yeah. No, I, I think Corey Davis had an issue, had that, that issue period going into the season. Um, is the, yeah, just, I just don't know about this exotic smash mouth. The, Run first offense with the pre-programmed quarterback that doesn't bode well for the wide receiver one. Whoever's in the wide receiver one chair is necessarily going to be throttled. Their upside, their ceiling will be reduced. Even if you're Corey Davis and he reaches his potential as a player, right? If he reaches his ability potential, the fantasy points may not come in Tennessee. That's my fear. Yeah, I mean, I think this is more of a what's wrong with Marcus Mariota, honestly, than than even with Decker. I mean, he's only he's only thrown the ball two hundred times, and that was in seven games. So, but still, but still, his pace is gonna is well under you know five hundred throws. He only has six touchdowns. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's not good. It's not what we thought it would be in Tennessee. Yeah, it's 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 really not good at all. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to pinpoint exactly what's going on. It's not like you could say he has any great uh, schedule concerns or the offensive line should be one of the better offensive lines. Ugh. I mean, they're just not getting it done. It's weird. And this is across the NFL. We see it. Atlanta, Tennessee, over and over and over again. Teams underperforming expectations. Thank God we have the Rams and the Eagles outperforming expectations to balance it out, but there are more teams underperforming than there are overperforming. Let's keep it going. I want to do another game. I don't have many examples, unfortunately, for another game, but I want to try another game because it's fun to do this voice. We'll call it How Fucked is Player X? How Fucked is Mike Evans? Um, I don't think he's as... I don't think he's as fucked as people might think think he's still getting a lot of targets okay. so so i i i i would he'd probably be more in the buy category for me if anything Good. i mean you can't get much lower than that whatever that Jameis winston pregame talk was <laughs> <laughs> the licking of the fingers yeah i mean that was that was perverse it was quite honestly it like was. that's not even you shouldn't be able to air that for children might be watching, you know, when you're when you're seeing some of this stuff. So yeah, that was like a, on an FBI tape to show deviant behavior that are precursors to other acts later on. That's how scary that was to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at the the Evans targets, though, I mean, nine, twelve, eleven, eight, eight, ten, ten. You know, only six in this last you know complete collapse. I mean, I, we we get this quitting narrative. I don't buy. I don't. I think the quitting thing is probably vastly overstated when it, when it comes to this. So it always is. You can't quit on a field playing football, or you will get hurt. That's the thing. The whole quitting idea is ludicrous to me. There are some edge cases where there's a loose football and you don't run to it as fast as the next guy. Edge cases, sure, but in general, you're absolutely giving 100% on every play because otherwise you're risking serious injury. Yeah, so, I mean, he's obviously suspended next week, but I would not be surprised if he comes back and he looks he looks pretty strong down the stretch. I mean, I guess what's interesting is you had the 2015 uh, quarterback class Winston and Mariota, who, I mean, people may try to revise and do a little revisionist history on this, but those two guys were both seen as being much better prospects than Goff and Wentz the following year, where it was kind of like they all they both went one two one two, but most people were were in agreement uh, that those two guys were better, and those two guys played much better as rookies, right? As very very young rookies, as opposed to Wentz, who was like a you know a twenty two year old rookie, and then Goff was also pretty young, but they were awful as rookies but now those now that it's totally flipped around and these guys are you know foundering and 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 Wentz and Goff are, are rising so I, I'm not sure what's going on I think part of it is they went to legitimately bad teams as the number one and number two picks right. and then Goff and Wentz went to teams that that traded traded up to go get them so that that might be part of it it just doesn't seem like either one of these teams um well in particular Tampa Bay has been really been able to build build effectively around Winston and now Winston's hurt and before he got hurt not playing well not efficient not making good decisions, not throwing the ball accurately. I traded Winston in a super flex dynasty league where quarterbacks are hugely valuable. They're simply not available, especially the young quarterbacks. In fact, the young quarterbacks in this league are rarely traded because they're so valuable. I traded Winston. Get the hell out of here. I'm done. I don't want any part of this. I don't want to be worrying about what the hell's going on in Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston. I own a lot more Mariota. I'm not worried about Mariota. He'll figure it out. 
I think there's some hope with Fitzpatrick, too. If anything, he's been a guy in the past who has locked on to receivers. Yes. If you look at what he did with DeAndre Hopkins in Houston and then what he did with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. He made Marshall and Decker both WR1s in fantasy. That's hard to do to have two receivers from the same team as WR1s. Fitzpatrick made that happen by not targeting any of the other receivers in the passing game, just funneling targets out to the two primary options. Yeah, and I don't see, you know, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think Evans is the type of guy that he likes, too, which is somebody, you just throw it to him whether they're open or not. Right. And, you know, he fits more of the mold of the Hopkins, Decker, uh, Marshall mold. So this is interesting. So potentially, Jameis Winston goes on IR. It's a lost season. You don't mess around with a shoulder injury. Look what happened to Andrew Luck. So you have Andrew Luck, the cautionary tale. Tampa Bay decides, okay, we're going to go ahead and put Jameis Winston on the IR. Last five weeks, it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick show, and all he does is feed Mike Evans. I think it's a possibility. I mean, we don't have that much of a sample to go off of so far this year, but the game that he started against Arizona, so that would have been, you know, I I don't remember if Patrick Peterson shadowed Evans, but I'm assuming that he did. You see, I mean, he led the team in targets. He had eight targets, um, only three catches, though, but still 95 yards and a touchdown. So he wasn't shying away from throwing it there, even uh, even with assuming that Patrick Peterson was on him most of the time. Get Mike Evans when he returns. Okay, how fucked Ooh, I like how I said it there. You like that? No comment. I'll give you that again. How fucked is Will Fuller? Oh, I mean, he's he's to- he's totally fucked. Right. I don't think <laughs> the most, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't even they're already talking no, about like no. TJ is Yates? TJ no. Yates? Not Kaepernick? No. Kaepernick's definitely out of the league forever if Houston doesn't sign him. Right. If they go TJ Yates, that means Kaepernick's never coming back. Well, he's already getting phone records from people in his lawsuit. So I don't think he's endearing himself anymore to the league. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Evan, I mean, obviously, Fuller was a guy that you weren't able to trust anyway, uh, moving forward, you know, to, to, to produce what he had produced so far, which was insane. Um, and, you know, going forward, I, just, I mean, there's like basically no hope. Right. I mean, it's, if DeAndre Hopkins is getting all the targets and there isn't even much actual production to go around it seems pretty unlikely that we're gonna that we're gonna the will fuller is still gonna be a usable guy down the stretch but you, you can't get anything from him if you're gonna sell him anyway so maybe you could hold him for a week or two and and see what happens he goes from 20 fantasy points a game to unusable just like that them the breaks how fucked is jordy nelson Oh, yeah, everyone. I mean, everyone's fucked on that team. Uh. Yes, everyone. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones. They are... Oof, it's it's bad. It is bad. Just say it. It feels good. <laughs> they are... Uh, fucked? Yeah! Say it with authority. Say it with some gusto. I, I leave the gusto to you. You're the leader of the gusto department. Really emphasize the F with some flair or the CK. One of the two will be fine. You can do a fucked or you can do a fucked. Either way. Try again. Oh. I'll even set you up like no one would set you All up. All right. I'm ready. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones. They are fucked. That's fine. Good enough.
I'm not I'm not going too 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 deep on this, but if you watched did you if you I mean if you watched some of that game, <laughs> that last uh Packers game versus the Lions, I mean I mean I, McCarthy is already a crime against against play calling for what he's done with Aaron Rodgers and how conservative he is. But this is the most conservative stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, I get everyone is knocking Hundley for, for bailing out of the pocket. And yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into it too much. But they were not even trying to, st- to stretch the field at all. I, I don't know what they're doing there. There just doesn't seem to be much hope for a real offense. They're incompetent. And Mike McCarthy may be the worst coach in the NFL. It's not just the play calling. It's the clock management. It's everything. It's all those decisions to kick field goals on fourth and one at the one-yard line. When Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, it's just blatant mismanagement up and down in Green Bay. And this is what you get. You get blown out by the Lions. Let's talk about a player we both like, and I think it's go time for this player. I really do. I think the second half is going to be go time for this player. Much like we talked about, it's go time for Des Bryant in Dallas. These NFC East receivers have endured an incredibly difficult early season schedule. Des Bryant, but also Alshon Jeffrey. Is Alshon Jeffrey a top five fantasy receiver the rest of the way for all the reasons we've talked about? Yeah, I mean, the thing here is he's had one of the worst schedules so Mm. far as far as uh, opponents' coverage. That I can remember. They, they, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, the NFC East is, I mean, it's not good for anybody there. It's not like it's its just an Alshon problem. It's any wide receiver one in, in, in that area. But, I mean, the guy's been a stud. I, I think people forget how good he was. I mean, obviously he didn't play a lot as a rookie, but he came in. He has been he was a top 10 wide receiver his second year in the league, top 10 wide receiver his third year in the league. He had some dark years, you know, some 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 dark Cutler, uh, some Cutler years going on there. And then he's had some injury problems since then, but he's always been, you know, a dominant type of player. Now, the one concern about Alshon is, you know, can Carson Wentz continue to throw, uh, you know, an 8% touchdown rate, 23 touchdowns so far this season, and, you know, continue that sort of production? It's probably unlikely, but he's still, you know, the number one guy. Now, he's going to come back um, off of the bye week. He's going to have the Cowboys, the Bears. The Seahawks could be a little rough, but, if you know, you can always line them up on the other side. Just don't don't send them at, at Sherman, and he's not going to follow you around. And then the Rams, Giants, Raiders, and then back to the Cowboys. So yes. he's looking like he's in the clear. Yes. He's in the clear, and he's definitely, uh, you know, he's definitely a talent that can do this, that can put up that type of production. So, I mean, this is what we've been asking for. We've been lamenting the smoothing out of that wide receiver one tier, the throttling of the entire cohort, and here's Alshon Jeffrey tethered to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, who's not afraid to throw interceptable passes, to walk into danger plays, he's not afraid of that. So this is an old-school gunslinger throwing to an old-school ex-receiver. This is something we can celebrate and get excited about. And I think there's some protection here because even if Wentz regresses a bit and doesn't doesn't play as well as he had I mean he hasn't really been that accurate throwing to Alshon Jeffrey no. I mean, his catch rate is under 50 percent um so maybe you could take that as a negative but I always think the, a lot of these efficient stat efficiency stats can flip around the other way just as quickly I mean he does have the 73 targets so he's getting he's getting the volume if he gets a little uptick in that efficiency even if Wentz isn't producing at the same level you know t- he could be that top five guy moving forward right you have a talent like Alshon Jeffrey on pace for 
140 targets. This is all we could ask for in today's NFL out of our WR1, please. He's a very efficient player. That catch rate's going up. The yards per target, the yards per reception, they've always been there with Alshon Jeffrey. Now he has a quarterback. It's very exciting. I'm also excited about Stephon Diggs because we have Teddy Bridgewater on the horizon, but put the quarterback situation off to the side, just in a vacuum, in dynasty. What would you offer for Stephon Diggs? Because you and I both love Stephon Diggs. How aggressively would you pursue him? Because there's a buy window right here. There's a brief buy low window that we have right now on Stephon Diggs. It kind of depends on on the league and what the going price is for him. But I guess everyone always frames these in in terms of rookie picks. So, I mean, clearly you're giving away a first-round pick for him. Now you're going to have to give away... You know, two first round picks. I don't know. It kind of depends on where you think those picks are gonna are gonna shake out. I would, unless it's the one hundred and one. Okay, <laughs> Saquon Barkley's another story. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, forget about it. Yeah, I mean, there are gonna be a few guys that, that you're gonna want to take a look at at the top of the draft. A few running backs you're gonna want to take a look at. So if you're a you know if you're a seller dweller, I uh, know. But if you can get away with throwing away, you know, giving them a couple of late first round picks or at least a late first round pick this year, and then see what happens next year, I say go ahead and do that for sure absolutely okay rapid fire contrived dichotomy oh a double game the rapid fire with the contrived dichotomy jay cutler or eli manning ugh, and ugh. <laughs> just leave it there that's fine that's fine moving on rest of season carlos hyde kareem hunt I'm still going with Kareem Hunt. I mean, I know Hyde's got a lot of volume here, but uh, Hunt can do all facets of the game. I think now's a little bit of a buy, buy low window, if anything, for him. In a vacuum, I'm not sure Kareem Hunt is that much different than Devontae Booker. Well, he's, uh, I mean, I, I, that offense is still working pretty well. In the context of that offense, that's the argument, is in the larger context of the Chiefs offense that Kareem Hunt is a buy and their fantasy schedule is very attractive, especially in the fantasy playoffs. I mean, he was clearly overhyped, you know, off of some big plays early in this year, but I, I'm, I'm not going down to Carlos. Car, I mean, I, I like, I don't hate Carlos Hyde, but that offense, I have no idea what they're going to be doing over there. I mean, I guess you could say there's some hope with Garoppolo, but now that, you know, the Garcon's out, everything else is gone. There's, there's not a lot of hope there. It's a provocative question, nonetheless. I mean, the fact that it is a question is interesting, right? Right. Well, that's why we do these contrived dichotomies. I'm going to do the voice thing again there. You can hear it when I go to do the voice thing. Jarek McKinnon or Jordan Howard? Well, I, I, think, I think I know where you stand on this. You got like yes. five years of your life invested into this at this point. I also really do not like Jordan Howard. <laughs> I, mean, I did not like Jordan Howard last year, and it blew up in my face. <laughs> As, as much as I like McKinnon, I think I'd still I'm, I'm still going to lean with a guy who's John Fox will just give the ball to even if there's no no reason to you know 20 times a game. So uh, I, I'm going to take that volume. All right, you're going volume over efficiency every time because you're rational and you're Kevin Cole, and I am going to follow my heart and go Jarek McKinnon. Marshawn Lynch or Adrian Peterson? Oh, Peterson. Um, I know Lynch had a bit of a of a rebound last week, but at least you know I think Peterson is is going to see the rock a lot more, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Lynch needs to be phased out in more and more in games where they're trailing, and that defense is going to produce a lot of those games. Marvin Jones or Golden Tate? You know I've always been kind of a Marvin Jones truther a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I still, I'm still going to say Marvin Jones, even though I know, you know, saying that means he's going to have like four targets over the next three weeks. 
Devontae Parker or Jarvis Landry? I mean, this just this is like, this is a, a good question out there, just to say like, what type of person are you in right. life? Yes, this is a personality test question. Yeah, so I mean, even if Jarvis Landry, I mean, you talk about me being Mister Rational. I mean, there's there's definitely a much more rational case probably for Jarvis Landry, right. but Devontae Parker, I mean, he's at least flashed, and you know, you got to live a little, so you got to go Parker. On yes, this. live a little. I love it, Kevin. Live a little. Juju Smith Schuster or Robbie Anderson. Now, this is a really interesting question because I like Robbie Anderson mm. a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, probably more than than quite a few people. But And Josh McCown, too. They're playing well together. They are playing well together, but I don't really see um, Anderson being a guy who's going who's gonna to see a lot of targets because they're using a lot of these kind of collegiate concepts in, uh, in the Jets' offense where – they're spreading the ball around a lot. So he's he's going to be a hit or miss guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a heavily targeted guy. And Smith-Schuster, I mean, obviously Antonio Brown has been the target guy, and, and Smith-Schuster has been probably more of a, of a hyper-efficient guy, so I don't know what he's going to do. But you know, he was he was kind of my favorite receiver, at least from a value perspective, going into the year um, yeah. before even knowing his landing spot, just because I loved his age age adjusted production coming out of college. So I'm still going to lean towards him and just take him over uh, Anderson, who was you know a, a, an undrafted free agent. Even though I like Anderson a lot, should have gone with Anderson there. You outsmarted yourself <laughs> on that one, Kevin Cole. I may have. You felt yourself outsmarting yourself, didn't you, as it was happening? I kind of, I, I did a little bit, but, you know, you got to just keep going. You got to power through it. <laughs> yes, yes. What about the Browns? Can they power through this, or is it over? Is the great experiment over as the Philadelphia 76ers were over? That the tanking could not be sustained, that the winning did not manifest soon enough, and the analytics front office is abolished and what does that mean for the analytics movement in the nfl if the browns front office is taken down well that's a few questions there um i think it's not it's not dead but it's going to be highly dependent upon what they end up doing in the second half of this season i mean if you think about it they took it down to the studs going into 2016 i mean they they let schwartz leave on the they let mac leave they let a bunch of other players leave and they even they, they traded back right so that was the year they traded back twice in the first round so they didn't have a lot of talent coming in they don't have a lot of sophomore talent coming in i mean the cory coleman was their well, was their only first round pick and he's been injured a lot of the year so this was the first draft class where they really were way ahead of the value equation compared to everyone else because yes. they had three first round picks they had you know multiple picks in in, in 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 other rounds so you don't expect those guys just to come out of the box and play well and they blew one on peppers jabril peppers i don't know who made that pick but no one that studies analytics made that pick well i mean the things that peppers has going for him is he's young and he's athletic but i agree that you know i don't know if that was a coach's pick or not but but Wrong player, wrong position, wrong draft slot. Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, loved the pick, and then they decided to throw him forty yards back. I mean, if anything, he was a guy that you could say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make this guy like be a linebacker at two hundred and fifteen pounds and yeah, see see if yeah. that can work. Not not line him up forty yards downfield as a free safety. But anyway, so 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 this is the first year, and you know, obviously Garrett's been injured, but Njoku's look look pretty decent. They have some other guys who look decent, but it's really going to be the second half of this year where you're first going to get some inklings of performance. 
And the problem is the noise level is just so high in the NFL. I mean, think of how many people are talking. I mean, people talked about the Philadelphia 76ers, right? But it wasn't, you know, like the Browns may be the most talked about team in the league, and they stink. It's so visceral and toxic in Cleveland, unlike anything we saw in Philadelphia. But I mean, it's just the NFL. The NFL is different. Every week is a huge deal. People over, you know, they overreact to everything that's going on. So the noise level, it's much more difficult to ignore. I mean, people may not even recognize the hinky, you know, he was fired after his third season. And that was after going down every single season. So he was, they were getting worse and worse every single year before his third season. And yeah, they were doubling down on the tanking every season under hinky. And eventually enough is enough. Well, they were legitimately tanking for multiple years, whereas right. the Browns really just just did one year of a, of of a strip down, and then this year, I mean, they signed free agents, right? They signed uh, offensive linemen, they signed others. They weren't they weren't trying to to tank this year, but they're going to need some. We thought the Kenny Britt signing was perfect, was ideal, was optimal, given the contract structure and his talent. It was a great signing. They've just whiffed on some players at a time when you just can't whiff. There's too much at stake, and there are too many people with a vested interest in this experiment failing. I mean, even if you say that they should have known, you know, that they did a poor job not drafting Wentz and not drafting. If they're saying, you know, you should have taken Wentz, you shouldn't have taken Watts. I mean, even if you had a high end outcome sort of sort of evaluation on those guys, you wouldn't expect them to be as good as they were playing so far this season. So, and you know, th- their defense is playing well, but their offense stinks. So my my thing with them is. The, the, the thing that was the most troubling thing was this whole A.J. McCarron trade because it was the first time that they that there really was legitimate panic. It looked like there really was ownership siding with you know Hugh Jackson as opposed to siding with the front office. Who there's no way. Yeah, the meddling. So yeah, the meddling, which which we hadn't seen any of that. I was shocked until this point, like how how well the front office has been able to execute their plan. So that's a problem. So they need wins, right? They need wins in the yeah. second half. I think they can get them though. Yeah. I think they can get a couple of wins. Yeah. Um, but they need a couple of wins here or else I think it is over. And the, the reason that the, that would be so disappointing is next year they're probably going to have two top five picks in the first round because the Texans are a number seven pick right now and they're, and they're sinking. So two top five picks and three second round picks, oh including two picks in the, in the top five of the second round. So this is really going to be the big draft. This is really going to be their opportunity to get. And it's a stocked draft class as well. The right quarterback this you know this time so you know if they if they throw them out and they're and they're drafting you know Josh Allen as opposed to drafting Baker Mayfield or someone like they should be drafting it's going to be extremely disappointing but they're not going to draft Josh Allen they're not they're not going to do that well I'm just saying if those guys are gone you know you never know oh well right yeah if those guys are gone and they're replaced by some Colangelo yeah yeah right oh god that's what'll end up happening i think you know it's funny because hinky still has a pretty great reputation even though the Sixers are turning around now so maybe something similar can happen even if the the cleveland guys are let go if they end up turning things around but um yeah i don't know that that mccarran trade was the thing that really that really stuck me because i was like okay this is real evidence that the that haslam is gonna haslam and he's gonna he's gonna you know look to to move some people around if things aren't going his way the starting point on winning games is going to be starting cody kessler you have to get cody kessler in there to give your team a chance why the coaching staff is not starting cody kessler is vexing to me and then we get Corey coleman back now speaking of Corey coleman i called him we did you just hear that that was the first time i have such an affinity for the browns that just happened 
That just happened live on the podcast for the first time. I referred to the Browns as we. I'm such a Browns fan now. I've been a Patriots fan my entire life. Grew up wearing Patriots apparel in northern Maine, watching Tony Eason and Irving Fryer on the grainy television. And here I am referring to the Browns as we. (laughs) It's analytics, man. I'm loyal to the numbers. That's where my loyalties lie, Kevin. I'm an apologist. I'm an apologist at this point. I can't. I mean, there's too much. There's too much wrapped in what, 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 of you know. It's important just for just for the movement, essentially that yes. the, that these guys are successful. Yeah, we're emotional about it. We have Corey Coleman coming back from the IR designated to return. Will he or another one of these returning IR players make the biggest impact this season? Yeah, I mean, I think Coleman will. I mean, Coleman was. People may not, you know, remember how great of a prospect he was, and it's not like he hasn't played well, and it's not like even from an injury perspective. I mean, he's broken his hand twice. That's like, I've seen some people say, oh, you know, they shouldn't have drafted him because he was an injury risk. I mean, he played, he didn't, he didn't miss that many games in college, and he's broken his hand twice. So right. he is, he looked good in the decent in the preseason too. So I think he can have a huge impact. I mean, they're starting Bryce Treggs right. is getting more snaps than anyone else. I mean, a guy they signed off of a practice squad, essentially, Stunning. to bring him in. So, so um, yeah, you know, I, I think you can have a big impact. And, you know, you mentioned the Cody Kessler. I mean, I, I think I, I definitely agree with you with Cody Kessler. But I, I think there is some hope for Deshaun Kaiser if they played him like they did um, last week where they just had him, you know, throwing a lot of shorter passes. Don't Don't ask him to do too much. The defense is actually playing well. You know, they're not going to win. They're not going to be in every game with that sort of uh, strategy, but it can at least keep 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 Kaiser from throwing them out of a game. That That's what you really have to do. Right. And he just has to not go drinking and missing meetings. Okay. Can you do that for us? Us numbers people, please. Deshaun, please. That's all we ask. Just keep it together. C.J. Fedorowicz is another interesting designated to return from IR player because, as usual, happens every year, the tight end position has been eviscerated, and Tom Savage does not like to push the ball downfield, so I think he will lock on to C.J. Fedorowicz. I wouldn't be surprised if C.J. Fedorowicz posted a higher target share in the second half than Will Fuller. Would you? No, no, that that would not be a surprise. That would that would not be a surprise, but, you know, the more it would be a surprise if either one of them is is useful, I guess, more than more than anything, but I think you're right. I mean, for someone who costs nothing, why not? Right. Now, speaking of anemic offenses, will any Bears receiver be fantasy relevant this season? I don't even know who the receivers are. I, I honestly don't know. Kendall Wright, Tanner Gentry, and Trey McBride. I mean, I liked Kendall Wright only from a perspective of a PPR league if you wanted a guy who's going to get some catches, but then he felt... You don't even know who the receivers are, so let's just move on to the next question. <laughs> I do I knew Kendall Wright was there. You're improvising based on the one guy you've heard of. I know Trey McBride. The answer is yes, and the answer is Trey McBride, and we're moving on. He got he was on the uh the Titans, I believe. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, I understand. You're just grasping at every morsel of information that you have at your disposal. I I'm just saying. You're not in the game on that particular question. I get it. Okay, I get it. All right. But give us one young yet widely available dynasty player that we should be stashing. The next Trey McBride. One young widely available. See, now make- think about your dynasty teams and think about the taxi squads and think about who you continue to pluck 
and Stash, who's still under 25 years old. And in some leagues, with some Sharks and some Sharps, you're shocked that player is available. Who is that player? Tell us, Kevin. Uh, I need a little more prep for this. Um, You're good at this, Kevin. You can do it. Come on. Hmm. He has to be a guy who's available, though, right? Um, He's available in a lot of leagues. Mm. Here's one. Can I give you one? Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you give me one? Sure. Austin Carr. Because we talked about it earlier. The Saints wide receiver depth chart is shockingly thin. Almost to the point you could cite the front office for quarterback neglect. That's how thin the wide receiver core is. When Brandon Coleman is second on the team in wide receiver snaps. That's a fact. It's an embarrassment. It makes sense. It all sets up for Austin Carr to rise up the depth chart next season after getting a full off season with the Saints and be installed as their target hog slot receiver. That would be special. He has a 45% dominator rating, one of the most productive wide receivers on a relative basis from the 2017 draft class. I love that Austin Carr stash, and he's available everywhere because he's not active on game day, so no one is talking about him in a redraft context, but you need to know that name in Dynasty. See how I did that? That was a good one. Sounds like you've been thinking about it. I haven't. I asked you the question because I wanted the information from you, and then you threw it back to me, and then I had to improvise, and that's how I fucking do it. That's how I do it on my show. When I'm asked to improvise, I improvise. I'm asking you to improvise, and I'm getting nothing. Hey, man, I am honestly have not been uh, scouring the Dynasty Wave Wires recently, so... You got the show sheet last night. You were supposed to be prepared. You knew these questions were coming in advance, Kevin. Is this even was that was this on the list? Yes, was it was. It was <laughs> way down. You had to keep scrolling oh, yeah. and scrolling no, and scrolling. Admittedly, admittedly, it was, was a long list, and this was not a question that jumped out. I understand. But now I've given you time. I filibustered and filibustered and filibustered. One of my great skills as a host is the ability to filibuster and allow the guests to pull up windows on their computer pull up their rosters and identify the player that I'm asking for. So now I'm asking you, Kevin, give us the sleeper stash for Dynasty Leagues. I don't even know. I was going to say Chris Moore, but then I'm not even sure. I really don't even know what his situation is so far, so far this year. Um, well, that would conflict ra- with our Michael Campanaro stash, remember? Campanaro, Campanaro, Campanaro. He's, he's out of his rookie. He's had almost out of his rookie contract by now. Yeah, Campanaro's not happening. He hasn't done a lot, obviously, but, you know, they got nobody. They, they have nothing in the next in the next wave of receivers there. Um, he was a guy who didn't have a lot of production, but had a pretty good profile as far as someone who stretches the field and uh, was, you know, athletic enough at his size uh, at a, a six-foot-one receiver. So, I mean, he's a guy where if you're just looking, you know, they're going to have to clear the decks eventually as far as the wide receivers there. Maybe he can step in and do something. So, yeah, I mean, he's a name where I'm, I have it a couple of places when I, when I look around at my Dynasty squads. Chris Moore, I like it. Let's shift gears from Dynasty to DFS. Give us one sleeper streamer for your DFS rosters, redraft rosters. If you need a guy this week, Kevin Cole tells you to play... Well, you know, it kind of it, it it goes a little bit on your 
CJ Fedorowicz sort of play, except for, you know, the guy who currently could get some looks there, and that's Steven Anderson at tight end uh, for the Texans. Mr. Anderson. You know, it's it, he's he's not a huge play, but he's a guy who's, you know, he, he's, he's gotten a, a, a few catches here, a few catches there, and I feel like that matchup against the Rams, it's going to be pretty high scoring. Tight ends can do pretty well in that sort of matchup. Are they really going to continue to target Hopkins a hundred times a game? Potentially, that could definitely could could happen. That'd be nice, right? That that yeah. could happen, but you know they might want to spread it around a little bit too. And obviously, they're a big, they're a pretty substantial underdogs, so you're you're going to get some volume uh, out of them that week. So I guess he's a guy that I would throw a dart on, especially in a position like tight end where you could throw a dart and potentially get you know a touchdown or a few more catches than you're expecting. I have a tight end, Garrett Selleck. For all the same reasons you just laid out for Steven Anderson, you can say the same for Garrett Selleck. I'm surprised you didn't say Aldrick Robinson because Aldrick Robinson had eight targets last week. It was the most under the radar eight targets because he converted those eight targets into 18 yards. (laughs) Not ideal. But he is a starter and he does have big playability. So I think that Aldrick Robinson is absolutely a viable streamer this week. Final question. You ready? You made it. You did it. Is this on the show sheet too? Because I don't, I don't. Yes, this is on the show sheet. Final question. <laughs> it's the same question I always ask you at the end of the show. Do you still qualify for truther status on any given player? And you can't say Michael Campanaro. Well, I qualify for truther status. Actually, <laughs> I didn't see that one there. Um... Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so glad we have outtakes. I just, that you should have told me to look at the questions these will be outtake gems you should have told me to look at the questions at the end first the harder ones are at the end you're right you're right you're right that's my fault somehow you're deflecting it's not my fault for the way i ordered the questions on the show sheet mm, truther um my truther now we're, we're going deep on the truthers here yes please this is a guy who i liked quite a bit coming out of college and he had a excellent physical profile combine profile playing in a, in a system that you think you'd want him to play in um but he ended up being cut but now he's back on the roster and that's daniel lasco for the new orleans saints yes! now this is this is like super yes! super super sleeper because he actually is back oh, i love daniel lasco this is great and he's actually been promoted off of the practice squad so you know, he's a guy that actually I was just looking through some dynasty rosters to find this that I actually still have him sitting there, even though even though he's gone and, and come back. Now he only had eleven carries in 2016, so we're digging deep here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, Mark Ingram's not going to be around forever. Obviously, uh, Kamara's doing doing very well. But you know, Lasko's a guy who can catch the ball, and he's a guy with the physical with the physical profile. Obviously, he destroyed the combine as far as broad jump, vertical, all of that sort of stuff. So hopefully, hopefully, he's a guy who can who can get eventually out on the field and then do something in that offense. So he's a guy that I might you know just add to the roster and see what happens. Maybe he gets cuts again, cut again. Maybe he doesn't. But he's he's definitely at least the high upside type of guy that you should be looking for. He's definitely at least the high upside type of guy that you should be looking for. 
That's it. That's the show, man. I love it, man. That made me happy. You really came through. I knew it. I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I heard you clicking, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to give him a hard time here. Let's let's see what he's got. I got a good feeling about this. Sure enough, he came out with Lasco. That's awesome. Man, you sound like you just got back from jury duty. You're psyched. It ended today, thank God. Oh, well, like, congratulations, man. You got sucked in. You didn't pull one of those uh, pretend I'm biased by lying. No, no. There was one guy where, I mean, I couldn't tell. He actually kind of seemed like he might have been legitimately disturbed. And he just kept saying, it's a drug case, right? So he just kept saying, uh, I love Fox News. I love Sean Hannity. I love the cops. I really hate drugs. You know, there's nothing really that objectionable about me until you get to know me. So they didn't really, you know... At that point, they were like, ah, he looks all right, I guess. Yes, the facade was in place. Was it like 12 Angry Men? Were you one of the voices of reason? Uh, not really. Right. I think drugs should be legal. Uh, not really. I wasn't even interviewed. I was one of the few that just was sent home from the initial cut down at 10 a.m., I was there for half an hour, and I was sent home just because clearly this Matt Kelly person is not right in the head. They call in more people than they can interview, just in case people don't show. And so I was the initial cutdown, and that counted. I found out that counted. Well, I figured you were in this jury duty. You had plenty of time to prep. No, it's the opposite, though. When you're in deliberations, you come in in the morning, you go in, they take your phones, and you're just locked in. They bring you lunch, so you're just locked in. That's right. I forgot about the taking of the phone. We're going to go directly by the seat of our pants here, my friend. Let's just go. Let's just start the show, man. We're just going to, because it's just like a, it's just a conversation anyway. It's just us talking. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program, a show favorite. Yes, he's back. Unfortunately for me, Kevin Cole. Talk to me. Jay Cutler or Eli Manning? Eh. And eh. Oh, a double game. The rapid fire with the contrived dichotomy. You know, if you're shaking off five guys, but you never get downfield, it doesn't really matter that much. In a vacuum, I'm not sure Kareem Hunt is that much different than Devontae Booker. Well, I, I, think, I think I know where you stand on this. You got like five years of your life invested into this at this point. No, that's a backup. Wait, that was, that was me doing a backup truck. We got to put that in the outtakes. That was not. I was trying to do like a, an airplane, you know, taxi. Yeah, I don't know if there's a noise associated with that. I know. It's a manual mouth sound effect. And you laughed in my face. Fascinating tour through the criminal justice system and the legal process. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've taken a tour of a police station with my daughter. We got to walk into the jail cell and see all that. It was weird, though. They took us to the shooting range, and a kid picked up a bullet casing, and it was still hot. And I was like, this isn't a good idea. Why are there five-year-olds here right now? This, no. Can we not? I didn't say that out loud. I was, I was just like, you know, walking upright and trying to be alpha male chaperone. This is all fine. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, really? Really? Yeah. 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 In recent weeks, you have muttered under your breath, touchdown Adrian Peterson. 
I was thinking about it. I was only thinking the first few weeks about how correct I was in, in assuming that was not going to happen. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess. All right. That was a betrayal. Give me a break. I still can't believe they traded Brandon Cooks at the end of Drew Brees' career. What a bunch of assholes in that front office. I mean, they, they, they've had some, some issues at quarterback, to say the least, since, since Peyton Manning died, pre, you know, and then still was still, you know, as a, a zombie. Winning culture, you know what breeds culture, like winning culture, winning. That helps. I love what she's doing, is drawing attention to something that is fascinating. True or not, it's sports. Who fucking cares? It's a game. What's wrong with Eric Decker? I really went too deep there. You saw I went too deep. I actually hurt my throat there. I went too deep. Uh, you know, when you first put it on here, I forgot that he was still playing, actually. <laughs> uh, but not even joking. I like, I... Get Mike Evans when he returns. Okay. How fucked? Ooh, I like how I said it there. You like that? I'll do that again. I'll give you that again. I'll give you that again. How fucked is Will Fuller? No comment. I'll give you that again. How fucked is Will Fuller? They are! Oof, it's it's bad. It is bad. Just say it. It feels good. They are... Uh, fucked? Yeah! Say it with authority. Say it with some gusto. I, I, I leave the gusto to you. You're the leader of the gusto department. Really emphasize the F with some flair. Or the CK, one of the two will be fine. You can do a fucked, or you can do a fucked. Either way, try again. I'll even set you up like no one would set you up. All right, I'm ready. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones, they are... Fucked? Uh, fucked? One of the things that you need to do to become a like a friend of the show is just have a good connection, bro. <laughs> Do you have like some sleepers for this week? Have you not even, not even looked at this week? Nah, no, nah, I haven't really looked at this week. <laughs> I'm just going to make some stuff up. But the question I asked was really good. I can't even ask it the same way. And you know how I did the Randall Cobb thing multiple times to set you up? I can't do that. I asked that question so well, and then I just got dead air. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how long you were talking after I cut out. So. Oh, yeah. No, I asked this super eloquent, beautifully constructed question. So, Alshon Jeffrey, top five wide receiver, go. Should have gone with Anderson there. You outsmarted yourself on that one, Kevin Cole. I may have. You felt yourself outsmarting yourself, didn't you, as it was happening? I kind of, I, I did a little bit, but, you know, you gotta just keep going. You gotta just power through it. You could cite the front office for quarterback neglect, and then we get Corey Coleman back. I called him we. Did you just hear that? That was the first time. I have such an affinity for the Browns. That just happened. That just happened live on the podcast. Here I am, referring to the Browns as we. <laughs> analytics man i'm loyal to the numbers that's where my loyalties lie kevin i don't even know who the receivers are I, I honestly don't know you don't even know who the receivers are so let's just move on to the next question 
The answer is yes, and the answer is Trey McBride, and we're moving on. He got he was on the uh, the Titans, I believe. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, I understand. You're just grasping at every morsel of information that you have. That's how I do it on my show. When I'm asked to improvise, I improvise. I'm asking you to improvise. I'm getting nothing. Uh, I need a little more prep for this. Um, You're good at this, Kevin. You can do it. Come on. Mm. Just, uh, he has to be a guy who's available, though, right? Um, mm. Just, uh, he has to be a guy who's available, though, right? Um, mm. Just, uh, he has to be a guy who's available, though, right? Um, Mr. Anderson. I really don't even know what his situation is so far, so far this year. Um... Well, I qualify for truther status. Actually, <laughs> I didn't see that one there. Um, well, I qualify for truther status. Actually, <laughs> I didn't see that one there. Um, well, I qualify for truther status. Actually, <laughs> I didn't see that one there. Um, mm, truther. Mm. Um... Wow, there's so many different truthers. Um, uh, fucked. Fucked.